This is Dagon123 and welcome to the all new Tenchi Cast. Everyone and welcome to the next exciting episode of TenchiCast, presented by TenchiForum.com. In 2014, iTenchi Muyo became the first unique non-OVA series in 15 years, and accompanying it was a manga adaptation by Haruna Nakazato. TenchiForum Translations just recently finished translating the entire manga, and that's what we're here to talk about today. You can find the iManga if you click on the links below or head on over to tenchiform.com forward slash universe forward slash i-tenchi-muyo-manga. But before we go any further, I have a very fun cast and crew with me tonight. Crazed? We're here for the all-new Tenchi Muyo manga, right? Oh shit, wrong podcast. Pi? Where's my spider? Where's my Kumo-kun? Who? Don't you forget about me. Oh, we're doing karaoke, right? You can know, Joe. On deck. And Snowy. Nico, Nico, Nico. Oh. <laughs> I figured I would tell everybody listening right now that there are, of course, going to be spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go read the manga right now. But if you already have or don't care and just want to listen to the sound of our magnificent voices, let's get started. What were your favorite moments from the iTenchi manga? Some of my favorite moments from the iTenchi manga were probably where Miss Nakazato threw in the back and forth between uh, Hachiko and Benny, and I believe chapter six or seven, where they're both uh, sort of taking little jabs at each other over whether or not they've fallen for Tenchi, not in a real way, just you know, messing with each other as uh, two girls may do. I thought that back and forth banter between them was uh, pretty good. I also enjoyed how in the first chapter, she introduces the old girls in a way that we never saw in the original show. It allowed them to have an established presence more early on, and it also showed a little bit more of what we're used to, uh, just some old school back and forth between Ryoko and Aieka, Sasami doing what she does, helping Tenchi get out the door, uh, heading off to his first day as a student teacher. Some of my other favorite moments were probably when she had Momo arm wrestle Benny as opposed to Ryoko. I do enjoy the uh, arm wrestling scene between Ryoko and Benny in the show, but having Momo arm wrestle Benny in the manga as opposed to Ryoko served several purposes. One, it was to hurry up the plot or hurry up the development of the relationship between those two characters just because Hitenshi in itself was short, but the manga is even shorter. So she sort of had to expedite the process. But two, it just goes to show that Momo really cares for Benny and has always been uh, thinking about her as she clearly states and that she wants to be Benny's friend. She's worried about her. She feels like she's can never understand what she's thinking. She's always sort of a loner, but she's there with the science department just because she's been hired, uh, not necessarily their friends. At least it's not been revealed to her yet that she's their friends. Uh, 
those were some of my personal favorite moments that uh, Miss Nakazato threw in there that were not in the show. I've been thinking over and don't really have favorites, but I think one moment I liked was in chapter four, where Ryoka just comes in in the shower when Tenchi's just fading. Looks like she's owning the manga, like in episode seven, when she first appeared in. Similar to what Chris said, like, I liked how they showed the original girls first. You got an intro of them and seeing their daily lives. Like first thing in the morning and then Tenchi going on to his mission to fix Washu's experiments. And what I liked about the manga is that they didn't have like, when Momo first appears, they didn't have like the whole like fan service thing. I mean, there was a little blip of it, but the way that Tenchi and Momo meet is a little better. I like the Benny Hachiko fight as well. I think it was drawn really well. It shows like how intimidating they both are and they're just drawn so cool, and I just really like the little banter as well. They weren't exact fighting for, like, you know, they didn't, like, love him, love him, but, they, you know, they obviously want his attention. And then the whole Benny and Momo getting a lot more development together, they just have more moments actually together, like, one-on-one, and then Momo constantly, like, hey, let's be friends, let's please be friends. And you can see like Benny having like this conflict of do I really should I really be her friend or I don't she's from the student council I'm with the science club and the whole thing was nice I like seeing the development between those two so those are my favorite moments. A lot of great answers so far it's making me reevaluate my choices and I think I'll go in more depth as we go a little bit later on. Uh, I found it humorous uh, as with other casts and the past we've done we uh, we don't know each other's answers before we come in here so it's funny you mentioned that craze i had also jotted down when they're in the warehouse there's the 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 rivalry between hachiko and benny we very much see in the anime we see in the manga but i remember benny gets this expression on her face that we just don't see in the anime ever just to get Hachiko flustered and angry wanting her to get her to fight she makes some comment about like when Tenji Sensei had uh, you know grabbed her quickly and jumped up to avoid I think it was the Indiana Jones esque no uh, copyright violations there but the the huge um, iron sphere rolling that would have surely crushed them uh, had they not jumped out of the way in the nick of time. So I found a lot of moments like that. Great Benny's character development that uh, it just is that just a difference of emphasis uh, in both cases with director Nagishi and here author Nakazato, both of these being such short windows, one animated one in manga form, albeit, but very short windows. And so it was very interesting seeing the uh, shifting of focus there, but I digress. Other favorite moments of mine, for some reason, I just, I really liked it when Hoshi finally in chapter 10, you know, you see them in the foreground. You don't really hear what, if they're saying anything to each other, because you, you see uh, Ryoko and Aika remarking to each other like, oh, well, there's Mahoshi. I guess the GP is not far behind then. And she and Sasami are just having this fun little moment. Like, I don't know what they do, but they were, they just had this fun little moment. That was a favorite moment, as was, I believe it's in chapter five, when Benny angrily goes to shove Tenchi basically um, or I think outright took a swing at him and he blocks her punch very similarly to when Yosho blocked Ryoko's punch in the first OVA and like the first OVA this surprised Benny who's 
stronger than your average girl. She knows that much. And so she she has to test. She has to test it. And so a few moments later, we hear this crumbling and Benny nonchalantly punches a wall. And she's like, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with it at all. And I, I, I thought that was a wonderful, it's great for Benny's character. And there's a wonderful little callback to original classic Tenchi there. I think one more I'll say before I pass the mic we were checking. I remember on the translations being like, did she say that? And she, it's Washu. She did. At one point, Tenchi's back at home and he's kind of telling everyone else about the situation with Momo and Benny. And I think it's Ryoko, if I'm not mistaken, who says to like Washu, like, well, why don't you do something more about it? And Washu is like, I can't leave the house. I'm too famous. Like <laughs> implying she would just be swamped with paparazzi or something like that. So I, uh, those were some of my favorite moments. Well, I have some of the same favorite moments as ever, as the others here. In particular, the moment when Benny takes a swing at Tenchi, and then Tenchi just goes, nope, and just catches her hand in midair. And then she goes off to punch a wall and say, am, am I losing my strength or something? Oh, nope, that's perfectly fine. Stop breaking things! That was a direct homage to OVA 1, Episode 3, early, early Tenchi. And this is something we'll get into later, but Miss Nakazato seems to really love her some early Tenchi. But that one in particular, I really love because not only, like, as who said a moment ago, Benny parallels Ryoko very strongly. The anime did that, too, in a lot of different spots. This particular one actually was one that was not in the anime, and it was also one that, again, endeared Benny to us. Moreover, I'd like to shed some light on the other side of this, which is Tenshi. Uh, in this manga, Tenshi's portrayed a lot older in many ways. Not only is he physically older, but he seems mentally older. You, you start seeing that in this scene in particular, where essentially he's taking the place of Yosho, taking the place of his grandfather. The student has become the master, so to speak. Also, there's several other nice little nice little moments here and there, like early on in like chapter two, Washu is explaining to Ryoko what's going on, and Ryoko's focused on the screen going like, what is Tenshi doing being all lovey-dovey with these girls and not with me while washu's trying to explain what's going on going on to ryoko and she's like you are such a single-minded child aren't you you're just a child in an adult's body it's classic ryoko and washu banter uh even though it's not uh, directly implied that uh, ryoko is washu's creation in this particular incarnation Although there's strong hints of it, most of the descriptions early on in the manga uh, essentially tie it to the OVA more so than one of the uh, spinoff TV series. Or Still, it's basically the same dynamic you would have after, out of Ryoko and Washu. Ryoko's focusing more on Tenshi, Washu's trying to see a bit more of the bigger picture, even though it's she's got her own self-interest in all of this and similarly at, at at least three different junctures in chapter one four and eight ryoko and aika get into their usual verbal sparring and it feels the most natural thing in the world it's like slipping in back into an old suit fits just right everything's in its right place feels good man i had a couple of the same favorite moments as everybody else one of my one of my favorites actually was the one pie you just mentioned was chapter two Page 49. Ryoko wanders into Washu's lab to see what she's up to, and she sees Tenchi and Momo and goes, Oh, Tenchi, you sleazebag. You're having fun with other women. I won't forgive you. And it's just like, that's that's classic Ryoko. And then she, like, punches one of Washu's screens. But it also shows a blend of OVA and Universe Washu because you have, wa because at first Washu laments what's happened to them, which is very OVA. She's like, you know, I tried all I could do, and not in, like, a sarcastic way. She's like, I really wish this wouldn't have happened. But then as soon as she gets done saying that, and Ryoko goes, 
oh, are you supposed to be this great scientist or this great researcher? Washu goes full on, like, universe Washu and is like, well, if you want, you can become my test subject. And she's like, ah, no, I think I'm going to go back to do what I'm doing. That was real. That was a really cool moment. In chapter five, on page 116, where Ukon literally, and Kray's vouched for this, and I looked at it as well, Ukon literally calls Tenchi a bitch. And it was like, that was, that was probably the most vulgar thing that was said in the manga, because it's just like, I mean, you expect her to say something like that, but just as vulgar as it was, it really shocked me. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, like the manga is actually going to push the envelope a little bit as far as that's concerned, so... I kind of like that. Another one, which is what a couple people had said with the warehouse. There's that moment where we don't really see this a lot in the anime. Chapter 7, page 163, right after Benny like passes out or whatever, and she gets back up, and Tenchi is right there, and she goes, and again, we don't see this side of Benny really in the anime, and she goes, you were so close to me, you know, what did you do to me? And Hachiko, without even skipping a beat, goes, do you honestly think there's a guy on this planet who would touch you? And it's like, oh, damn, son. That is a sick burn. Damn. Without even without even missing a beat. Again, I kind of like that because obviously, you know, we see Benny and Hachiko interact a little bit. But it's more like, I'm the enforcer of this group and I'm the enforcer in this group. We should fight as opposed to them getting a little bit more human character like they're a little they get a little bit more depth in the manga and they get they like are actually going at each other as opposed to like i'm the most powerful no i'm the most powerful i'll never let you do this so i like that moment the other one one of my other favorite moments is when in chapter eight when benny gets that flashback when she first sees tenshi's sword and you go through it she literally has this moment where she looks through all of these old memories with Momo. Haruna Nakazato really liked Benny and Momo. And she fleshed them out a lot more, or a lot more than they did in the anime. And that was really cool. That was a really cool moment to kind of see their human side a little bit more. Their emotional side as opposed to not necessarily tacking it on. But you got to see more of it. And then as a favorite moment, basically all of chapter 11 was a favorite moment. Like from top to bottom. With that being said, of course... What did you think of author Haruna Nakazato? Do you think that she accurately portrayed the characters? Do you think she understood Tenshi Muyo? I think that she pretty much nailed the characters in this manga. It's already been mentioned several times, but reading this manga and seeing how she portrayed the characters, it reminded me a lot of old OVA or Universe and even a little bit of Tokyo every now and then. Uh, I'm not sure how old Ms. Nakazato is, and if there's one thing I've learned over the years, you never ask a lady her age, but I would I feel like she grew up watching the show, or she at least was very familiar with the characters in the show before she wrote this manga, because, like I said, old OVA and Universe in particular comes across very heavily uh, through the characterization of the characters in this manga. I really enjoyed what she did with him. I really enjoyed uh, what she did with Tenchi in particular. There comes a point where he's coming home. I don't, I don't know if it's after his second day as a teacher or what, but he comes home and he tells Washu and Ryoko and the rest of the old girls that he's 100% sure that he's found the targets, that it's Benny and Momo that they need to try and help. And as Ryoko and Aika are fighting over his affections, as you do, 
in the foreground of that particular page. Tenji has an inner dialogue rather with himself, and he's thinking about how if he had just saved them when Washu originally sent him back to the past, that a lot of this could have been avoided. And he's just he's kicking himself for not being able to save those two when he had the chance and he feels guilty he feels a responsibility to help them and i really enjoyed that because tenji and the only other continuity that's still going in the ova is sort of a shadow of his former self i mean it's it's bad enough when you have characters in ova4 saying why aren't you more like Sena?" that shows you how far we've come but i enjoyed what she did with tenji in the manga because tenji He's older now. He's not a teenager. He's in his early twenties. He's got some. He's got. He's got responsibilities now, and he realizes that. And he knows that he needs to make up for his mistakes. So I really like her portrayal of Tenji in particular, and how he's matured as he's gotten older. I agree with a lot of what Craze said. I know what she wrote before Tenji, or this is the first thing, but it's clear that she understood until. Maybe she just watched the anime or read over the wiki of the characters. Each character, even though it's a bare-bones story, they'll feel like you actually know the characters, even from the brief interactions you get from them. I really enjoyed her art style. I really enjoy like how Tenchi actually looks like an adult in this and how, yeah, he looks mature, but he also acts mature, like Craze said. Like, you can understand that he is older now. He is kind of like processing things differently he is portrayed very well i think everyone's portrayed very well and like yuki said like even though the story is short like especially the main main characters in this case are tenchi benny and momo are really flushed out even in a short period of time you feel for them you can get into their head you can see like fa- their facial expressions of what they're thinking you can know what they're thinking without even like reading it just based on their face expressions I mean, some characters get more of a back burner, like most of the student council. And I think the science club is kind of like put in the back burner a little bit, too. But I think that Benny and Hachiko, especially in the, in the manga version, are basically a new gen Ryoko and Aieka in the sense of, you know, the sassy banter and the occasional like hand to hand combat over Tenchi you know, trying to piss each other off and one-op each other. It really feels like classic Ryoko and Aieka to me. And then you still have classic Ryoko and Aieka banter, like, going on. I think it's uh, she did a really good job. I don't know if she's done anything else, but I would definitely be interested in looking more of her stuff, and I hope she continues to make more stuff. Felt like good old Tenchi. I like what Yuki said. It's such a short time you have with him, but you do get to know them. You really feel like that. And what Snow said, I had jotted a little note here as well about Nakazato's style. I found it looked like the eye anime is obviously supposed to, but it really showed her style. And it, it really breathed, you know, even more of a, it was a breath of fresh air and new life into these very established characters. There were even times when, uh, as we've said, when it was appropriate to do so, nothing super deformed, nothing crazy or wacky, too cartoonish. But there's moments when just these little, I guess, almost acuteness to it that is very distinct from, but reminded me a little bit of Okuda's work. Very distinct styles between those two authors. But like Okuda's, you know, where you see it's very identifiable, 
as, oh, that's so-and-so's work, and also very identifiable, oh, that's Tanji Masaki, oh, that's Ryoko, oh, that's Washu, you know right away, but at the same time, breathes a little fresh life into it. Personality-wise, you, you hear it in the dialogue, in the exchanges, and you see it that I like that speculation craze. I mean, whether she watched it when it was originally airing or whether she, you know, researched it just to do this project, I think it's very clear that she knows the source material. She did her homework. And so I would absolutely say they were portrayed accurately in terms of relation to I and in terms of this broader franchise, which what a challenge. There's that bit of nostalgia to it as we've all detected in certain ways. But as has been said, you're dealing with a Tenchi that's in his 20s now. You're dealing with, it can't just be a copy paste of something old, of a universe episode, of OVA episode. This did take us to new places, as often as it was purposefully evocative of past memories we all share as Tenchi fans. So absolutely, she was accurate in portraying the the spirit of these characters. The way Harana Nakazato writes this story, it reminds me a lot of how you had Naoko Hazegawa writing her novels. Now, Naoko Hazegawa, of course, was the original scriptwriter for the first OVA and wrote 13 novels that followed it. And this is something that we've talked about in the previous podcast when we discussed uh, Hexagram of Love, actually, is that Naoko Hazegawa seemed very researched in her work and knew a lot of details and was very well read. With Harna Nakazato, she seems very similar in that regard. She knows knows a lot about the characters. She knows them inside and out. She portrays it very well. And she doesn't do it just on the written page. She also does it uh, through her art as well, because correct me if I'm wrong, but she also did the art for the manga as well. So uh, she captured the faces and the expressions and Get, essentially gave everyone personality and moreover made it to where they're distinct. They're not all homogeneous. They're not blurring together. You could actually see this is Ryoko, this is Ayaka, this is uh, Momo, this is Benny. Now, there's definitely this generational parallel. I see a lot of Ayaka in Hachiko in the way they way they act. I see a lot of uh, Ryoko and Benny in the way they act. They're not blood relative or anything, but they have the same kind of spirit, the same kind of essence to them, the same kind of <clears throat> impetus behind their character. Now, as for the portrayal of characters, Everyone's already said that uh, they, she, uh, Miss Nakazato, did a very good job capturing the classic Tenchi characters. Although I want to say for some of the other characters, she did a pretty good job as well. Uh, Benny, in particular, is I would say the star of the show in this particular manga. Momo, Momo, I think actually takes a backseat to Benny in many cases. In particular, Benny spends chapter. Three through chapter eight, actually developing her character from essentially just the Yojimbo, uh, the the Ronin, the bodyguard hired by the science club to protect their interests underneath the uh, disused building, all the way up until she's essentially asking Tenchi for his help very humbly and very uh, straightforwardly, and also eventually leading to the climax of the story. As opposed to Momo, you get a bit of Momo in the first couple chapters, and then you get a lot of Momo in the last in the last three chapters from chapter 9 to 11. Benny, throughout chapters 3 through 8, is portrayed as strong. She's very prominently shown. She's uh, independent. Uh, anytime Time someone gives her wants to give her assistance, she almost always slaps their hand away and says, "Nah, I got this." She has all these barbs with with Hachiko. And speaking of Hachiko, 
Uh, Hachiko actually gets a lot more character here, too, and uh, a lot of the stuff that's in the anime gets subdued a lot more. In particular, uh, Hachiko's uh, mental tick in the anime where she loses her sword, she falls apart and cries like a child, that's nowhere present in the manga at all. Uh, not, much like Hazagawa, Nakazato seems to, ha seems to have a lot of affection for her strong female characters. And Hachiko, while she does get embarrassed a couple times that Tenchi has to save, Tenchi has to save her, she's in the forefront. She's in the fight. She doesn't. She doesn't back down. She's very proud. And Benny is the same. Benny's the same way, which is even more so why you see them butting heads against each other. Sadly, and this is something I actually I wouldn't say necessarily as a detraction to Ms. Nakazato's portrayal of the characters here, but. In all this buildup of getting Benny to where she needs to be in these three, these uh, five, five or six chapters from chapter three to chapter eight, a lot of Momo's development ends up sadly getting skipped, and she doesn't get as much uh, hard-hitting um, emotion as Benny does in this uh, manga, which I think sadly is to this to the manga's detriment. There is a good side to a lot of stuff getting abridged. Snow mentioned this a moment ago about. Um, some of the uh, fan service and panty shot stuff at the beginning getting getting kind of kind of axed. However, a lot of that actually got axed along the way. In the anime, there's like a episode where Tenshi ends up washing the girls' uh, shower room, and then the girls come in, and there's a whole bunch whole bunch of uh, fan service stuff that goes on there. In the uh, episode where Tenshi is captured by the science club, they strip him down just just as much as the uh, student council does. And thankfully, while there's again there are hints of it, the panty joke is ref is referenced at the very beginning. Hana strips off Tenshi's shirt, but doesn't go but doesn't get to his pants. Thank God before he sneaks out. A lot of that is much more subdued and downplayed, and actually the story is much more focused as a result. And I would actually say that in many ways the manga has benefits to the anime as and the anime has benefits of its own which it's kind of an interesting trade-off how you remove certain things but focus on other things and i think that's much more a writing direct writing choice and a directorial choice than anything else well i will of course echo the sentiments of a lot of people uh i very much enjoyed miss nakazato's style i thought it was a really nice blend of the anime and obviously her own style it's very it's unique it's it's uh it's very unique to her and like everybody else when i had heard that a haruna nakazato was doing it i had no idea who that was but i after reading the i manga going through it i am more than willing to go find something else of hers again i'll echo what everybody else here said i think that she understood the characters exceptionally well like for somebody who has never who we know to be new to the scene and also, you know, probably coming into Tenshi with the expectation of just, hey, make this adaptation and maybe put your own spin on it in certain places. She absolutely understood the, the soul of the characters. All of the original girls sounded and acted like you would expect them to. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't just Nagishi and the anime people who understood that this was a celebration of the franchise. I think Nakazato did as well, because the characterization of the characters included little bits and pieces from the characters that you see throughout. And I honestly, I think she what she probably did was watch the first OVA. The, the way that she portrays the characters is very much first OVA Tenchi. It's very early, it's very early, early Tenchi. 
but then you know even just looking at the new girls you know uh, she under she got them all like she there was no character that felt like they were deliberately out of place or that they were un you know they weren't characterized right but like pi said and others have said like Benny and Momo were the ones who got absolutely the most. In particular, Benny got a ton of time to develop her character, which I liked. You know, I liked that that was something that was kind of missing from the anime a little bit. And she's supposed to be this character who is standing with Momo, and it ends up being kind of the flip side in the uh, in the manga. Now that we're just talking about this, the manga itself is obviously shorter than the anime, which in and of itself is exceptionally short, as Pi was pointing out. What did you think of the changes made between the anime and the manga? Did you like some of the changes and that the manga made? Did you think the anime did it better? Um, I mean, overall, I feel like the differences were well done. I mean, obviously, the manga is shorter than the anime, which it itself is short. I mean, each episode's not counting the opening and endings, about three minutes long, so. You know, certain things had to be left on the cutting room floor. Uh, you know, for example, as was stated earlier, some characters didn't really get touched upon nearly as much as they did in the show. The student council and the science department in particular, or the student council shows up early on where they're introduced alongside Benny and Momo. Uh, but then you don't really see a whole lot of them in the later chapters of the manga. Sort of the same thing with the science department, although they do show up near the end a little bit more because they have to go back underground because plot reasons. Like Pai said earlier, uh, Hachiko's mental tick where if she loses her sword, she cries like a child. That's not there. So overall, I feel like the changes that had to be made just because of how short the manga was, it was uh, well done on Nakazato's part. The changes. Well, some things had to be left out. The interactions between the girls, a lot of what Mo interacting with everybody. You know, some stuff could be cut out, some stuff, but overall, it still was a good story. One of the main things that I liked is that the fan service is little to none. Because I know in the anime, it's quite a bit, especially in the beginning, and it honestly turned me away from it, made me kind of uncomfortable. So I'm glad to see that in the manga pretty much gets turned away just about like there's like none of that almost and that's great. Like I said, it takes away from the actual story, it takes away from like character development. So I'm glad that's kind of out out of the door. But it did take away like some antics that were pretty funny in the anime, like the Miss Janai contests or the tension chains with Hana. I mean, you saw none of that. Like I said, that kind of takes away from the main story, even though the side antics are fun. It's still, and of course, Kumo-kun, the spider with Rui, you know, that's that stuff's fun. But in the manga, it's more about the character development between Benny and Momo. And I have to say, I probably should have said this more. I really like that Benny is kind of the star, like everyone else has been saying. But in the anime, she wasn't really particularly my favorite. I didn't hate her. I didn't dislike her or anything. But she just kind of deadpan most of the time to me anyway. But then she gets really flushed out in here and she actually became one of my favorite characters because you get to see her flushed out more. And it's like the anime is more like um, like the flush out Momo, whereas the manga is meant to flush out Benny more as a character. That's what I, I particularly liked about the differences. I mean, yeah, the antics are fun, but I like getting into the nitty gritty of the characters and their minds and how they feel and their emotions, especially the main two characters and how they shine. Uh, there were instances in the manga that 
I quite enjoyed. And I, th I think I enjoyed more than the anime even. So for example, we've discussed this, I'm sure at length, you know, years ago when I was coming out, considering that maybe that all wasn't up to Nagishi, how much edgy surface level fan service stuff there was right in the beginning of I, that might've been an attempt to garner typical anime fans these days. And I don't mean to sound condescending. I'm trying to see it from whoever's controlling the purse strings, whoever's producing it from that perspective, trying to hit demographics and quadrants and basically sell a product to a consumer base. Or maybe that was Nagishi's decision. I don't know why, but at any rate, considering the the timetable in which the I anime episodes were released and the general impatience of media consumers these days, myself included, it kind of happens to all of us if we were not on guard against it. I almost think it worked better that she introduces the the all-star lineup, the main girls right off the bat. When you start reading the manga, if you read it, you'll see, you get right out of the bat, you get Washu, Ryoko, Aika, Sasami. It's quite a wait. Now, in actual runtime, it's not that much of a wait, but when you have four to five minute installments every weekday or then Fridays. I can't remember that was like a recap and then you got to wait till the next week. And so you end up waiting weeks when I was premiering and people are going, is so-and-so going to show up? When's so-and-so going to show up? And you get understandably impatient. So I quite like that approach and some others that have um, already been mentioned. Admittedly though, going from the anime first to the manga, there were a few moments that felt a little shortchanged, that felt missing to me, namely for me personally. I think as Pi said before in this own cast, in, in this very cast, we see a bit of the Ryoko and Benny rivalry. We see them, Ryoko's like, you, me, we're doing this, let's go. But you don't really see much of the actual arm wrestling or the crazy antics and the competition that ensues like you do in the anime. Another one is we don't see, we see Ukon trying to get Tenchi involved, but we, we don't, we don't get any cross-dressing Tenchi. We don't get any big sister Tenchi, which come on, how is that not a detriment? <laughs> but to her credit, there were allusions to these scenes. And so I think Nakazato knew herself. I think everybody kind of knew, again, whether the manga came out right as the anime was, or there's kind of that expectation that you've watched the I anime uh, and are now reading this manga, which is a nice thing to consider if that was one of the reasons, maybe she put a lot of emphasis on Benny. As I think you said, Dagon, you get a little bit of a counter. There seems to be a little bit more emphasis on Momo in the anime. Seems to be a little bit more emphasis on Benny in the in the manga. She decided, or you know, was partially directed, who knows, but someone decided that the manga was not just going to, again, be a copy-paste. It wasn't just going to be the the I anime verbatim in uh, illustrated and written form. And um, I, I like that. So all of that uh, into consideration, it's speculation, of course, but I do wonder if Nakazato, like we know for a fact Nagishi really was, if she was under some serious time constraints. 11 chapters. I don't remember how many pages offhand, but not many. So it's kind of unavoidable to notice that the the pace it it moves along it really moves along but to reiterate i mean i i you know i loved it it's a fun short ride and the great thing there is you know it's not meant to take the place of the i anime and this is the tenchi franchise we're dealing with anyone who's in this franchise knows and is used to has been trained and conditioned for retellings 
and you have your options. So if someone prefers the anime, great. It didn't go anywhere because of the manga. If you want to see another take, as we've been describing here, that's also fun and does things a little differently, like Benny being fleshed out, then the manga is there waiting for you to explore. It's something else to, to try on. It's something else to jump into. So yeah, there were some changes I wasn't crazy about, but there were some that I actually really liked. So in all, if it has to be, were you in favor of changes, were you not? I was in favor of them because again, it's different. We get to see things done a little differently. We get to see more of Nakazato's authorial imprint rather than someone just trying to recreate Nagishi's. And I like that. I like seeing some distinctions between creators in this crazy many-hitted Hydra <laughs> that we know as the Tenji franchise. Back when we first had I anime coming out, and again, graciously, a good bit of uh, the Tenchi Form faculty here actually went out of their way and actually subtitled those episodes as they came out, so much so that even Nagishi got wind of it. One of the things that we got a lot of criticism on when that anime was coming out, uh, the anime itself, not so much the translation, is that there, everyone was wondering, where's the girls? Where's where's uh, where's Ryoko? Where's Ayako? Uh, this isn't my Tenchi. Not my Tenchi hashtag and whatnot. As who said, this manga actually starts out right out the gate with Tenchi leaving the house. You see Ryoko, Ayako, Sasami, and everyone's in their place. Everyone's good. Everyone's good to go. You see Washu even pretty early on, even explain her own culpability that oh, I was messing with something. There was a teeny little mistake and things went a little wry. And you even also get to see the actual warp incident where in the first chapter, I might add, where Momo and Benny are first pulled into the uh, dimensional space-time warp thing from whatever uh, parallel time axis they're from. So the manga actually sets up the story Right off the bat, you don't have to uh, wade through panty shots and silly antics before you realize that, yeah, this is this is where we're going with this. We're, we're not messing around. So, yeah, it showed Washer's culpability. starts with Tenchi leaving the house. You start off with Midian and Momo in, in the history already. Moreover, the manga has little nuggets here and there that explain things in a little bit more detail that the anime sadly did not address. So in particular, for example, the student council says that they won't give materials or funding to the science club because the science club has done crimes against the student council or whatnot. But the manga actually puts a different spin on it and says that, no, we're not giving – we're being stingy because the science club has never actually given us a mission statement, hasn't actually told us what their purpose is. Why should we give the, give this no-name club any kind of uh, materials if they can't tell us what they're going to use them for, what they're going to – what their goals are, what their plans are? And that actually – Flushes that particular story point out a lot more. The same thing, Craze mentioned this earlier with uh, Momo arm wrestling Benny. That's a change from where Benny arm wrestles Ryoko, and you see a lot more of the parallelisms between their two characters. Again, it serves a different purpose. Instead of focusing on the relationship that would that's building up between Ryoko and Benny, which plays into the ending of the anime rather than the ending of the manga, you have Momo sit down with Benny, and the two of them arm wrestling, very pe much parallel to the, air quotes, butt wrestling, that was a thing, that happened in, happened in the anime. And, but it's basically the same dialogue, I want to be your friend, I want to help you, I want to do this and that, and it all kind of flows a little bit more naturally in the manga. 
Uh, I said this earlier that a lot of stuff ended up getting put on the cutting room floor because, well, time and space and uh, other wibbly-wobbly things that Washu could probably explain better than I could. But because of that, and Snowy said this, the story is much more focused in tone and in its actual story exposition because a lot of extraneous stuff has been tossed out. You have uh, a lot more direction on Benny and Momo's relationship, Tenchi wanting to help them get back to who they are, so to speak. But... At the same time, there's give and take in this. While you get a lot more focus on the story and everything's a lot more concise and a lot more explained, a lot more well thought out, I'd say. Uh, probably, I'd even conjecture that this manga was probably written after the anime had finished airing because you see the script, you see the scripts in the anime are a bit more hodgepodge. The feudal episodes are scattered about. This is much more clean, much more direct, much more straightforward of a presentation of a story. And even I'd even argue a bit more natural in that regard. The downside is that a lot of stuff that was fun in the anime gets kind of dropped. A lot of the parallelisms between Ryoko and Benny get dropped. A lot of the stuff between, say, Ayaka and Hachiko, or Ayaka and Hana, get, get kind of dropped. A lot of the characterization for Hana... Uh, Tori and uh, Rui, Yuki, even Rui, Yuki, and Tori get get dropped because there just isn't time for it, given the amount of pages that we have to work with. Uh, a lot of the cu cultural festival activities got dropped. The Mystery Night contest got dropped. And a cardinal sin of any particular work is telling, not showing. It's again, that's there's an old adage of uh, show don't tell. A lot of the feudal episode stuff, a lot of stuff that happened when Tenchi went back on his first mission. Keep in mind that this whole mission to the uh, Junai Academy is actually the second time Tenchi's trying to help these girls. And the first time when he went back into 1300 years ago to try and get them get them before the warp got them the second time. A lot of that stuff is explained by Washu or Tenshi. And while you see like flashbacks panels of it, you don't get the actual actual story of what happened. A lot of that gets gets dropped on cutting room floor and I'll go ahead and say the one thing that kind of uh, pet peeved me a lot about these things getting cut was a lot of the stuff that happened as far as like armed conflict got dropped. So there's several scenes where the Misaki household and the student council actually go and uh, actually come to blows. You have Ayaka versus Hana. You have uh, Ryoko versus Hachiko. Even in the and this is going to chain into the ending a bit. Uh, the Misaki family and the student council and the science club all facing the Galaxy Police, in particular the GP SWAT. A lot of that gets dropped completely because got to focus on the main main story, which I understand that. But at the same time, some of those were some of the best and most uh, entertaining parts of the anime, and I kind of wish they were there. I would have loved to have seen some of those scenes drawn. I wasn't surprised that it was shorter, but I was surprised at some of the things that got left out, like the entirety of the Miss Junai contest, like all of the flashbacks from uh, the, the feudal era. But it's interesting how they changed some things, like the Miss Junai contest got changed from the 22nd to the 20th. Maybe they just wanted that to be more rounded out, but that was a little bit different. But one of the things I am glad that they dropped out, largely from the manga, was the fan service. Like, I, I think the fan service was one of the big detractors for people because, you know, I mean, some of it was tame, but some of it was a little bit over the top. And I think the manga did that a lot better. One of the other things, one of the biggest changes, obviously were the beginning and the ending. Uh, the beginning actually starts in the manga more chronologically true to how the story goes. I like the way they did it in the anime because of how it turned out, and I think had they had the manga 
beginning or the beginning to the manga as the beginning to the anime, it would have started off a lot stronger, which would have turned more people onto it, but it wouldn't have had the same kind of punch that it eventually did. And overall, it was also working, again, you think about it, it was working from the perspective of being shorter. You know, you condensed two hours worth of footage into 11 chapters, which it really is nothing. And encapsulating it into a shorter story, having to cut some of the things that they did out, it was all killer, no filler as far as the characters were concerned. It was like, we have to get these characters over. We have to, we got to focus on the characters and not so much on the action we got to make sure that the stuff that we do put in there helps move the characters along. As people have talked about, you know, Benny and Momo are the star of the show. I think Tenchi even got more development in the manga than he did in the anime. You know, them being the main characters, so to speak, the three main characters, that's important because you have to feel for them. And that leads us into what did you think of the ending? We've been teasing it the whole podcast. Did you like the ending more? or less than the anime? I mean, I teared up a little bit, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I enjoyed the ending to the anime for sure. You know, when Tenchi has to travel through distorted time to find child Momo, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Reminded me a lot of Final Fantasy VIII's ending, but the way that the manga did it, I also enjoyed. I mean, you don't don't get to see Ukon descend into true not villain, but uh, antagonisthood. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff with the GP gets cut out, but at least you do get to see just how ruthless the GP is willing to be in certain scenarios. You're like, oh, well, these two being here are going to cause a singularity. We can't have that. If we have to sacrifice a whole planet to do it, uh, then we'll have to do it. I really enjoyed the way that Haruna Nakazato gave Momo character development there near the end where Momo's just talking about, you know, I, I know I, if I do this, I can reset everything and go back to my, where I'm supposed to be to my original time or my original dimension. But, you know, I, I don't want to lose everything I've gained here. I don't want to lose my memories. I don't want to forget about everything I've done with all of you. And she says it's because she loves everybody at the end. And, you know, when I was going through initially translating it, I'm not going to lie, it tugged on my heartstrings a little bit because we've all sort of joked before about this, but Momo was too pure for this innocent world, or this she was too pure for this crazy world, this crazy fan, because, you know, she's just a girl trying to live her school life, and Tenchi just breaks it to her. Oh, by the way, you're actually Jiraiyan royalty, and you're not supposed to be here and this is going to happen if you stay here. And, you know, she's just a scared girl who doesn't want to lose her friends that she's made along the way. But she also regains the bond that she lost with Benny in coming to this new time slash dimension, which was also nice to see touched upon at the end that she didn't really get a lot of in the anime near the end. Not nearly as much anyway. Again, all in all, being as compressed as it was, not seeing a lot with the GP SWAT or Ukon becoming the true antagonist or, you know, anything like that, or Tenchi having to go through time to find child Momo. I think the ending was exceptionally well done. I actually like the ending a little better in the manga just because you see in the anime how he goes through all this distorted time and sees all these 
different phases of Momo and then it's still the same like um please don't forget about me because she's so scared of being forgotten and in the manga you still have that still have that you she's just basically telling it out loud versus you seeing it visually she's telling you herself that I don't want to be forgotten I don't want my I don't want to be erased I feel like I'm being erased I don't want any I don't want to lose anything I don't want to disappear. Please, Tenshi, help me. And she's kind of having this freak out, being told that she's not supposed to belong here and, and she's supposed to go back to her, her normal dimension. And eventually she calms down, knows what she has to do. And then she takes comfort. And as long as Tenshi remembers, she can uh, go back. So she tells Tenshi, please don't forget about me. And just the way that's drawn in the end, it's just so simplistic, but so beautiful. It's like a really bittersweet. Her face is surrounded by blossoms. Please don't forget about me. Have, she has tears floating around her. And Tenshi just simply smiles and says, I won't. And it's just so, it's so sweet. It's so bittersweet. But I, I find it very, very charming in a way. It's sad, but it was very beautiful. I really appreciate it. It was so simple, but so well done. And that, yeah, the GP fights are all cool. And get, they get eluded. Like the girls, the Tenchi girls, like the original girls, the OGs are saying, yeah, we'll take care of the GP. Don't worry about it. We'll grow on out. But they don't show any of that. Instead, you get to see Momo just kind of having this freak out, flushing her character out and making her real. Like she's actually struggling, suffering like a real person would in that situation. Not just your typical ganky, happy-go-lucky girl. She's actually a real girl in that, a real person. So I really appreciate that. It was very nice. Well, if you're comparing the, the manga ending to the anime ending, I don't think you're probably going to like it as much as the anime. Obviously, with the manga, hyper-compressing the story, kind of got rushed. Compared to the anime, it felt a tiny bit rushed, to be brutally honest. But like Craig said, and others have said here, even though... So much of it was lighthearted, and it was so short. And although I was not doing the heavy lifting, I was someone working on the translations we did. And even knowing, quote unquote, what was going to happen based on the anime, you know, I I was getting emotional. Like Crazy said, I was I was feeling it. I was you know I was tearing up a little bit. I was. It's it I it, it caught me off guard. I think it's impossible for me personally to say that I liked the manga ending more than the animes, which had these Nagishi hallmarks, wonderful full circle nods to the in love movies, nods to the ending of universe with Ryoko and Tenchi and the cherry blossoms and beautiful side tangent there. I Tenchi, the anime, seriously, what is wrong with you people (laughs) saying not my Tenchi. Well, frig off then. Your Tenchi isn't good Tenchi. But I digress. Now, having said all that, though, Nakazato's humble short manga really made me feel something by the end there. And that's more than I can say for the, the, that the OVA continuity has done in this century, as of this recording. And in the span of not 13, 40-minute length episodes, but again, an 11-chapter manga, that is a Herculean feat. That has to be respected, and it ought to be celebrated by Tenchi fans and manga aficionados in general. You know, I quite like what Snow said there. That was getting me remembering it all over again with um, 
Momo's request in the very end there, please don't forget about me. That was, you think about that, like if that was happening to you, what would your last words be? What would be your one thing you'd want to say before you're gone, basically? As a wonderful display of her characters, very much like the anime, but it was, it was beautiful here. It's beautiful the way, as we said, way early on, spoiler alerts, but you know, that's, that's how she ended it. So it, what, a, what a gesture and what that says about the author, what that says about Nagishi, what that says about Momo as well. It's not a Noike. It's not a, oh, well, this new girl is the best Tenchi girl ever and she's meant to be with Tenchi and you will accept her. The end. No, it was a humble little request. Just, just remember me that I was here. I existed. And in a weird, I'm not saying the author was going for this necessarily, but in a weird kind of... Uh, almost poking the fourth wall kind of way. You know, it's like, I was I was a Tenchi girl. I was in a Tenchi Mayo series. Just remember me. That's all I ask. And Tenchi saying, I could never forget you. That was symbolic. That was, I think he was a stand-in for all of us as fans. Um, reading that or watching, I, you know, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful ending. And so what a, what a question having to say, if I have to say, do I like it more or less than the anime? I'm, I'm going to cop out. I'm going to say, I, I didn't like it more than the anime because, again, oh, the universe vibes, my nostalgia, admittedly, seeing Nagishi's signature as an auteur, as someone who's been with this franchise for such a long time. Nakazato, as as far as we can tell, a newcomer to this franchise, certainly, wow, she hit the right notes. And so Momo, Benny, all the new characters from I, and now Haruna. Nakazato. Here's one fan speaking for many. I'll never forget any of you. The ending of the manga is actually very very emotional because unlike the anime which goes into lots of action, lots of intrigue, a lot of uh, him and hawing, lots of lots of wibbly wobbly timey wimey Doctor Who flavored stuff happening. The ending of the manga is actually very simple. Again, I mentioned, as mentioned several times in this uh, particular podcast, you have that a lot of the story arc has been about Benny. Uh, it's been her going from basically this uh, amnesiac Yojimbo, slowly, re- slowly remembering who she is and what she was and uh, how she relates to Momo and what her mission is, until at the very end, when Momo is tasked with making this choice, she has to use her her sword key, which is very similar, parallel to uh, Tenchi's sword key, uh, Momo Ken, I suppose we should, we might call it. Momo is essentially tasked with she needs to go back in time. Uh, she has the key that accesses the Toshika the tree that's the Dryan tree that's beneath the school, and really she's the only one who could do this. I'm assuming that. It's possible that Tenchi might be able to do, to do it for her, for her if need be, but it's the short answer is easy. It's easier to have Momo do it. It's probably more, more fitting that Momo do it as well. And she's scared. Think about what's going on here. If she chooses to revert back to her child self, to go back to what she was 1,300 years ago, then in a way she's basically killing herself. She's basically ending her existence, her memories, her presence. Sure, she's going to be reintegrated into this child form again, so she doesn't technically die, but the entity that we know as Teenage Momo would no longer exist, which is tantamount to death, and she can't do it. At least not at first. She's she's she hems and haws over. It's like, aren't you aren't you anxious over this? I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. We've had the Infinity War meme going very strong here in recent memory because of that. And 
it's the same kind of thing. Why would this innocent character have to give up her personhood except that you know the universe is going to implode if she doesn't and that's really the problem i have at here here at the end is uh, since a lot of Mo, a lot of a good bit of momo's character development through like the uh festival and the interactions with all the different all the different characters a lot of that got cut some of momo's emotions here unfortunately fall a little flat for me because we haven't had the time to endear endear ourselves to her to to see her remembering a lot more of this to to develop her relationship to say Tenshi or Benny more so than what the manga has done. The anime does a lot of that. Again, it's kind of out of the blue. It's like, yeah, we need you to k- basically kill yourself to save save the universe. And she's like, uh, what? It's 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 very overwhelming, particularly for a teenager who hasn't had much life yet and wants to experience life to give up what she's had so far. Now that said. You see, Benny. She actually pawns the question off to Benny. It's like, Benny, you had you would have to revert back to who you were too. And here's the thing: this is Benny's story arc coming to a close. She started off as as an amnesiac. She wanted to know who she is. She wanted to know why she's so strong and why she's so different. She's basically about to get those answers. She's about to go back to who she was. And several times throughout the different cha- the chapters building her up, she said, I want to be back to who I was. I want to remember who I was. So it's the culmination of Benny's entire story arc right in this moment. But here's the price. If she remembers who she is, if she goes back to being who she is, she has to sacrifice the Momo that has now become her friend. And that is a difficult choice. That is a – again, you basically have to kill your friend to get to get the Holy Grail, so to speak. That's a hard choice. And even then, Benny pawns the choice back to Momo, and and that's the closing of, of, of Benny's story arc. She's fully embraced that she is supposed to be the role of Momo's protect. She's supposed to help, help Momo in her decisions, protect Momo from harm and whatnot. And to make this choice for Momo would be robbing her of that agency. That would be basically choosing to kill Momo of her own accord. And I don't think the Benny that's presented in this manga could do that. So it goes back to Momo, and Momo sadly has to make the one choice no one is going to make for her. And sadly that she has to make for any kind of closure, and that is she chooses to go back to being who she was previously, which I can't imagine what that kind of that kind of thing would be. And again, to have some uh, some agency in that to say that I still existed, Tenchi Sensei, will you still remember? Please remember me. And he 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 smiles that that uh, smile of his and just says. I will. I I, to- I will completely remember you. you, you I'll, I'll never forget you. And this is a closure I wish we had had from Tenshimuyo in Love 1 with Achika, because when Achika Misaki had to have her uh, memory erased to preserve the timeline and whatnot, of course it's understandable. She realizes what's going on. She's had the power of Jirai. She, she realizes that the timeline would be polluted and ruined if she was to remember all of the things that she had seen, not just fighting Kane, but also having her mind connected to Tenshi's via uh, Wash's equipment. She knows too much about her own future. She has to uh, have that those memories removed. Unfortunately, Achika does not get a chance to actually have closure with her son because Tenshi at this point had been knocked out and probably fairly badly injured in the battle with Kane. Um, here, Momo gets to have that final closure with her teacher. Very much re- still resonates as a lot of loss and self-sacrifice. So it's still a good ending. I'm not going to da- downplay that this is a- and say that this is a bad ending in any way. 
That said, the anime's ending, I will claim, is superior in the following sense. Tenshi's development in the final five episodes of I, Tenshi Moyo is far, far stronger. Because, as Snowy mentioned, and as many of us have mentioned, uh, there's a lot of Doctor Who wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff when the Tree Toshika is activated. It pulls... Tenshi and Momo into basically Momo's time stream, and they're hopping in and out of Momo's timeline, barely missing each other. And what's happening is, and this is something that happened a couple episodes before this started, Tenshi started trying to show Momo at least a little bit of how her key works. For me, that's a moment for Tenshi. Spoiler, I actually am a teacher myself. And to see Tenshi teaching Momo, passing on that knowledge that he has gotten ingrained in him from Katsuhito Aieka, etc., all of his adventures in on Jirai and whatnot, him passing that on to Momo, that's a growth moment for not just Momo, but for Tenshi as well. He gets to become the teacher. He is the master. Who's the master? It's Tenshi Misaki. That's who it is. And he gets gets a moment to try and educate his this pupil to become her actual mentor and teacher and after them passing each other and nearly missing each other and finally momo is the one who uses her key to bring bring them together at that the last train stop scene and she gets to say gets to say her goodbyes makes the choice of her own volition that's to me that's much more beautiful it shows tenshi as a teacher it shows momo as a as, as coming into her own even though she knows that she's going to have to give herself up but to make everything right and what's makes it even what makes it even more of a pointed choice is the timeline, much like in Tenshi Mui in Love 1, I think my, not, uh, Haruna Nakazato might have watched Tenshi Mui in Love 1 now that I think about it. Again, she has to make this choice because she's been slowly erased from from history the same way Tenshi was. It's much more pointed that either she goes back to being who she was or she won't exist at all. And she knows that and she has to make that choice. And that that resonates much more strongly with me. Oh my god, that ending. I started... Legitimately, no hyperbole, I started to tear up a little bit. Me and Craze were going through it, and I started to get to that ending point, and I, I, I did. I started to tear up. It made me feel emotional. It really cemented to me how well fleshed out and how good the characters were in both the anime and the manga. And it respected the older characters completely, which the OVA hasn't done in 20 years. It cared about it cared about every one of its characters, old and new. The old characters helped out the new characters. The new characters respected the old characters. I mean, like I said, all of chapter 11 just... There's that moment where Benny bows to Aika, Ryoko, and Sasami and goes, Please help us. And Ryoko and Naika and Sasami are like, no, we got this. We'll help you. And it's like, that's how Tenshi should be. That's how it should be. Not none, not any of this, oh, well, you know, the first time that you see Ryoko in OVA 3 and 4, she gets slapped around. It's like, fuck that. Uh, you know, comparing the anime ending to the manga ending, I loved the ending to the I anime a lot. But I almost have to give it to the manga board. Like, it reminds me a lot of X, the anime, the Clamp series, because there's the movie which came out first, and then the TV series. The TV series was better told, it was better, it was a better interpretation, but the ending was a little bit different, and even though the ending was really good, I just couldn't get behind it. But, or I, like, I just, I didn't feel it as much as I did the movie. The movie, by all stretch, was not very well told, 
But that ending is so good. It's so well done with extra pans forever love going on in the background. And so that's kind of how I feel about the anime and the manga. If I could combine the two, that'd be the perfect ending somehow because the ending to the manga completes the arc of Benny and Momo, I think, way better than the anime does. There is a lot less action going on. We do see a lot less from the GP, the Galaxy Police. But that moment, those last couple of pages where Momo goes, you know, I don't want to forget any of this. You know, I, I don't want to do this. Benny, what do you think about this? And Benny looks over at her and she goes, I don't want to do this either. But if it means I get to be with you and protect you, I'll do it. And and that la one of those last two or three pages, that panel, Momo, Benny, and Tenshi are touching Momo Ken and Ben and Momo starts to cry, but she's not sad crying. She's happy crying, and she goes, Sensei, please, Sensei, for me, please, don't forget me. And she's crying, and Tenchi goes, I'll never forget you. Done. Done. That's it. That right there. When people go, oh, I Tenchi isn't my Tenchi. That ending right there, that story arc in particular, but that ending is better than the OVA has ever had, will ever have, as far as I'm concerned at this point in time, and is better than... is It is in the top three endings. I'd even argue, I would even argue that the ending to Aitenshi Muyo, whether it be the anime or the manga, are number two. They're the best ending you can get. Because you have characters like Tenchi who respect the new characters. Tenchi's grown up. Tenchi is acting like an adult. And the love that they feel, I, Tenchi Muyo, love, Tenchi Muyo love, it's not this 15-year-old boy lust. It's real love. It's real, like, this person who came into my life was a good person. I'm not trying to be in a romantic relationship with him. I just love the fact that they were in my life. And that is why that ending was so phenomenal. And just so gut-wrenching. It's so emotional. And I don't think it can be topped. I don't, unless... I mean, it can be, but I don't, I, you know, we're talking about reality here. I don't think that that ending can be topped. Other than the ending to Tenshi Muyo and Love 2, Tenshi Forever. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to add? I was thinking about as everyone else was talking about the ending, and there is this one little moment, which is also really good character development between Tenshi and Momo, is when Momo is uh, getting herself together after finding out she's going to disappear and she's Technically, this version of her is going to die. But then she goes to Sensei, hugs him, and she tells him basically, like, all these precious memories, the way they make me feel, it must be love, don't you think? And he just looks at her and just pauses for a moment and then says, yes. Old Tenchi, like 16-year-old Tenchi would have probably flipped out if he heard that come out of Momo's mouth. But he understands the situation, it seems. It's another thing that uh, I liked about the manga is that Tenchi, yeah, he seems, he looks like an adult and he seems to act more like an adult than he does like in any other continuity of, of Tenchi verse. But that was just such a sweet moment, just a, a little blip in, you know, all this happening. And I just really liked that. Like, I don't think it's like a romantic love or anything like that. I mean, to each their own. I just think like they care about each other so much, even though they haven't even known each other that long. They just care about each other so much. Like, oh, I love you goodbye thank you please don't forget about me i won't i mean that is just oh my god i'm getting emotional just talking about it but then i also was thinking about this as well as pi was talking about the ending like so detailed 
I was thinking like you can really compare this ending to like that of Madoka Magica, which is a very emotional show. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but just the, I can see the comparisons in my mind of getting to know each someone so well and then having to see them go or this version of them go and you being left behind. I mean, whew, that is very powerful stuff. But yeah, that's all I really had to say. I did like that about the manga as well. I think not just kind of mimicking the anime, which it was supposed to resemble anyway, obviously, but much like I, I think those are fun observations that it really did, I think, kind of pull from all over the Tenchiverse. And it's great now that it's its its own as well. And as has been said, it's it's earned its own little niche. It has earned its place at the table, both the anime and now the manga, especially uh, Crazed and Dagon here doing the heavy lifting of that. Hope everyone listening to this, um, if you read English as a language, first, second, third, whatever, hope you'll consider uh, checking it out. And uh, it, it won't take up a whole lot of your time, but, you know, these folks here did some good work and put a lot into it. And obviously the author put a lot into it. And so hope you'll check it out and see some of those references. And if you see any we didn't mention here, feel free to comment. And on the subject of the translation, I forget if we made a note of this in the manga and or when we were sub subtitling the show, but I do love the the attention to detail that was given to the naming of Momo's ship. Because I didn't realize it, and at least I didn't realize it until I was going through and translating the manga, but I like how they named Momo's ship Toshika because Toshika basically translates to budding peach blossom. And I thought that was very uh, poetic in terms of naming the ship because Toshika means budding peach blossom and it's given to Momo when she's a small child. I thought that was an extremely nice touch. I also like how, as in traditional uh, Tenchi fashion, it continues to break all of the rules in just anime in general. The manga came after the anime yet again in, te in a Tenchi show. Go figure. I was just thinking that as we were saying some comments, it's like, you know, oh yeah, the, uh, you know, the manga, it cuts out some fun stuff, but it's more streamlined and it's like, what's going on here? Like this is no normally you'd be having this conversation in the reverse. People would be like, oh, you know, I'd say, well, I really like the animated adaptation of a, you know, of a manga or something like that. But I really appreciate how, you know, they, uh, yeah, they had to cut out some fun stuff, but, you know, runtime. And so they streamlined it. And yet again, Tenchi, the exception to the rule, seemingly almost every time. And, oh, who, who was that person? Uh, if only we could remember who. Somebody said something about it being an enigma. Thank you all for tuning in to Tenchi Cast 36. No need for the Nakazato manga. If you like what we do, if you like what you heard today, Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Reddit, at r slash Universe. Go follow us on iTunes. And now, not just Apple users, we are now on Stitcher and Google Play Music Podcast. So, if you want to listen to us in your car, if you want to get, you know, Bixby or whatever your audio assistant of choice, voice assistant of choice, you can say, hey, go to TenchiCast episode 36 and it'll get it for you. And until next time, stay gold.